Storygram Network. Folks, save the date. Trash and Fashion Sonoma is back in April 2023. And this year, the Trash and Fashion Runway Show is on April 22nd, actual Earth Day. Also coming back, Trash and Barbie's Gallery and Auction opening April 13th. And the Trash Bash and Dogs on the Catwalk on April 29th. <laughs> Gerardo laughs, but it is a fun no, experience. No, I, I was here last year. It was really fun. It was really fun taking pictures. It's great. So when you hear this, mark your dates, save those dates. But what's happening right now is applications are open for Trash and Fashion Outfits, as well as Barbie applications and Dogs on the Catwalk which you can find all on our Sonoma Community website, sonomacommunitycenter.org slash trash and fashion or events. You will find it. Get your applications. And I hope everybody's thinking about their outfit now. Hey, you know how much it costs? We're not there yet. Mm. But we do have sponsors. This is a really fun community event. So check out. I'm looking for artists right now. Share the word. Barbies are open to the entire age ranges and the actual trash and fashion show is open to students and adults nine plus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Turn your trash into treasure, folks. Hello, we are the Sonoma Community Center podcast, a place of creativity, connection, and community. We highlight the artists, teachers, and the community that come through the doors of our historic brick building, often called the heart of Sonoma. We share local tips and shout outs to our home, Sonoma Valley. And we are your host, Molly Spencer. Gerardo Diaz. We are the engagement team of the Sonoma Community Center. Hello, Sonoma. Welcome back to our podcast. My name is Gerardo Diaz. This is Molly Spencer. And we're back to the Sonoma Community Podcast. How you been, Molly? Well, we just got done with Chili Bowl. Chili Bowl. How was Chili Bowl, by the way? Well, you were here. I know. I just want to ask you since you were doing something else. Chili Bowl was great. So you probably heard if you listen to our other podcast what Chili Bowl is. And it's a ceramics fundraiser. And it was fantastic. It had the feeling of community. It went smooth. It felt like 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. uh, Really, thank you for uh, all the people that came in and uh, participated in this. And it was wonderful. It was my first time doing it, too. And I have to say, my wife threw me out the door and said, hey, go and sleep in the living room. I'm like, why? It's like, no, we can't stand you anymore. You ate way too many chili beans, man. You know, I had like five or seven plates of that thing. I'm done. Don't talk about chili anymore. You know, So you tried all of them. I, we're, our I count was really them, yeah. good. I don't know how many gallons left over, but there was a bunch of cornbread left over. Let's see. You're supposed wow. to cut that with cornbread. Yeah. <laughs> cut that with hor- Yeah. Anyway. Me. It was super great. I think we're all still recovering. And the Chili Bowl is a great thing. It will be back, of course, next year. Not only does it support the ceramics program, but it also supports something that's near and dear. And that is our ceramics artist in residence program. Yep. And today we have our recent 2023 winter spring, I guess, ceramics and artists in residence 
I think I added too many S's there. <laughs> but we have Fred DeWitt with us. Fred, say hello. What's happening, Sonoma? I'm in the house. Hey, yes. you know, um, Y'all wasn't expecting this. <laughs> Fred was actually my first uh, guy who tried my chili, actually. Chili yeah, was Yeah, yeah, he was my uh, guinea pig, you know, <laughs> per se. I'm like, here, Fred, try my chili. Hey, they feed me. They give me a place to work. And I'm getting down, okay? Perfect. You got to come yes. to my show. Yes. So we're going to hear Fred's story. We're going to hear all of it. We want to hear everything. And right now, currently, Ceramics Artists in Residence, you're having, I know by the time this comes out, the podcast, you'll be having an artist talk on February 7th, which I'm always excited because I get to hear near and dear and you get to see visually what all the artists work on and what's their style and all that sort of well, thing. Well, I can't tell you everything. I don't want the FBI to show up at the door, but we'll, you, we'll By the time this comes out, it will have already passed. But what accumulates, which I'm also looking forward to, is your your time here is will end in a gallery show. And I believe that's usually in June. So this will be out in plenty of time for people to hear what you're working on and come in June to see your gallery opening. So, Fred, before here... Let's go way, 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 way back. Berkeley, were you born there? I listened a little bit, but I'm so curious as to growing up, your youth, what was it like? Yeah, I was born and raised in Berkeley, right there in (laughs) B-Town and uh, the Bay Area. I'm a Bay Area native. Even though I did live in Los Angeles for a while, in New York and St. Louis, I always come back to Berkeley. Seems to call me back. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess I am. I I always say I'm a California artist. Where my influence comes from, of course, African-American culture, Mm -hmm. the kind of African-American culture that migrated from the South and came to Richmond to work in the shipyards, right? Uh Uh-huh. Came to Oakland to work in the ports. Also to work in the fields. But also, I'm influenced by Latin American culture, right? next culture. I'm influenced by the Chicano movement. I'm influenced by uh, Japanese yes. culture here, right? And my work mixes all that together. Wow. Being in the multicultural environment of Berkeley, I have all those different influences. And also, let, let me say the indigenous populations too. And yeah, I don't appropriate, but I do kind of borrow some of that stuff. Well, Berkeley's always been a melting pot. Yeah. Really. It's kind of a melting pot, but also those people are in the movement. Yes. It's not just black people out there marching for Black Lives yes. Matter. It's all these different cultures out there. Black and brown people linking up together with Asian folks. And we all are in there fighting for liberation. And all those different things come in. I had a mentor, Amiri Baraka. Uh-huh. And Amiri Baraka taught me one thing. He taught me a, a very powerful thing. He said, we do not take on these actions to take on the value system of the oppressors. We are doing it for everyone. We have to respect trans people and gay people and everyone else. We're not trying to fight for liberation just for black people. We're fighting for liberation for all people. Absolutely. It's come a long way, but we got a long way to go, too. And I appreciate that. Like, we'll get there, the experience in Sonoma and how different that is sometimes from the East Bay. But when you grew up super young, what was your childhood like? Now, I heard a little bit about you being a runner as well as your dad being a champion champion track. What was that like? My father was a state champion. I also ran. 
I didn't win, but I also ran. But I play sports. I play football and basketball. And I saw you rubbing your knee earlier. So it's nice to have someone that's closer to my age up in up in here. I broke my knee playing football for Berkeley High School. So yeah, I played football and and was really into sports when I was young, right? And I always wanted to be an artist, but I did the sports thing. I'm imagine too, when you're heavily into sports and that sort of thing, art is not really encouraged. You know? What got you to like do art? Like what was your plan or, or it was a backup plan since sports didn't work out? Or Well, I came to art really late in life. Well, I came in to practicing art really late in life. Early as a child, I would draw all the time and I would paint and do these different things. My mother tried to encourage me to do music, but I have no rhythm. (laughs) (laughs) But I would do these things, right? And then when I graduated, I wanted to, um, you know, everybody was saying, you got to be an engineer. Okay. Right. You got to be a doctor engineer or something. So I tried that. I tried that world. You just tried it? I tried it, it, but then... exactly. I got sick at 25. Okay. I woke up one morning. I was a teacher then. I was teaching uh, computer technology to business professionals, basically, right? Where was that? In Berkeley? That, yeah, in San Francisco. In right? San Francisco? So I was going to the financial district and yeah. wearing suits and living that kind of lifestyle, right? And I was teaching computer technology to... The computer just had come in. Yeah, <laughs> a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> so they just had this thing called the IBM PC that they just developed. But, yeah. but nobody knew how to use it. So I taught them how to use that. Oh, wow. Only black men in there, of course, right? Uh-huh. Doing that work. So I taught them how to use that. You talk about microaggression then. It was really microaggression then. Those days. I can imagine. But, but I woke up one day and I started coughing. I was like, what's going on, right? And long story short, you know, I became disabled by the time I was like 27. I couldn't work anymore. I had to deal with navigate this kind of healthcare system. Yeah. If you don't mind saying, was it something, was it a cancer? Was it, a, did you not know what? Nobody knew as? what I had. Really? So that made it even harder time. to navigate. Yeah. Well, it made it harder. They don't believe you when you're black. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Went to the doctor. This was during the AIDS epidemic. Yes. Wow. And the guy was like, what's your orientation? And I'm sitting there, you know, like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, that little black light poster goes through my head about (laughs) these different (laughs) positions and stuff, right? And so I said, oh, you know, I'm heterosexual. Well, he didn't believe me. Like, oh, yeah, of course, because I coughed, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they ran all these tests, and I was like, no, I don't have it, but they ran all these AIDS tests and all that thing. So I didn't have that. I I think they thought everything at that point was AIDS. You know, it was 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 definitely, they didn't know know, what it was. They didn't know what it was, and they were diagnosing everything and, and basically assuming people, you know, and it hit the black population. It was hitting black males hard. Right? Yes. Just like this COVID thing hit the black exactly. population hard. So those diseases were affecting my community disproportionately. So I went through this whole thing. I didn't have that. They didn't know what I had. I went, you know, they were cutting things off of me and operation uh-huh. here, operation there. And finally, I went to one doctor. They looked at me and were like, oh, you got to go to UCSF right away. Mm-hmm. You have this rare disease. 
I went to UCSF, and they said, you got to go to Stanford. The best guy in the world is down at Stanford. You got to go here. So I finally tracked it down, but I had to navigate this very toxic healthcare system in order to get to that spot. Luckily, I had health insurance at that time. Six months before, I probably wouldn't have health insurance. Uh But I had this good job working for Pac Bell, and I had health insurance, right? But you can imagine if I didn't have that and had to navigate that, I probably wouldn't be here. Seriously. I had a very serious rare disease. They found it. So when I did that, I said, okay, I'm going to die. I had a little money in the bank. I took my money and I went to Brazil. <laughs> and I spent a lot of money <laughs> on the beaches of So Brazil. that was right. Oh, nice. That was the <laughs> celebration death trip yeah, yeah, yeah. in your mind? Right. That bucket the list bucket thing. list. Okay, okay. bucket yeah, list. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I came back and I lived. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, what's the money? Now? I'm like, okay, <laughs> what's next? What am I going to do? <laughs> I, I got to yeah. figure this life thing out now. You were only in your 20s, too. I was in my 20s. Damn. I didn't yeah. know what I was going to do. I would have made that choice, too. And yeah. they had this guy. He was making movies named Spike Lee. Yeah. I didn't know you can go to school to be a filmmaker, right? Yeah. And I saw she's got to have it and do the right thing mm-hmm. and all these movies. And I was like, I'm going to become a filmmaker. I want to be like Spike Lee. Yes. So I ended up at San Francisco State, and I studied film and all that stuff, right? And, I, you know, I, I worked on films for a while, but film working, working in films and making movies is two different things. <laughs> right. <laughs> it became another job for me, right? They all And I do. was like, oh, this is not it. So I'm fast forward. I'm jumping a lot of years <laughs> yeah. here now. Okay. But we can jump around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. jumping a lot Back of years. So I went to another transition. I was like, okay. I bought a boat and I was like, I'm going to sail around the world. <laughs> I knew it because, so, you know, I was peeking at your Instagram, which Fred I'm like, are you an OG man. Instagrammer? And I saw some boat pics there and I was like, I think he's got a story. Yeah, so I got in my boat and I'm going to sail around the world. And when I got out there underneath the Golden Gate. You you found that uh, gas was super expensive and you came back. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> I found that waves are really big. <laughs> And whales are bigger. Yeah. <laughs> My husband surfs How underneath big of a boat, there, so I right? understand. I had a little boat. I had a 24-foot boat. Oh, man. Yeah, those whales and are bigger than that. The, boat, the whales came up to me. They were bigger than the boat, and I went over there, and <laughs> I sailed. I got to uh, down to Los Angeles, down to Long Beach. You made it down the, the coast. Wow, you made it yeah. that far, huh? Yeah, by myself. I sailed down there, right? Yeah, and actually, I was it like, sounds like Gerardo's dream. I'm not going to And I said, if I could do this, I could do anything. Now, I, I, I don't have to tell your listeners, I have a tracheotomy. So yeah. if I fall in the water, I'm dead, right? Oh, okay. You automatically wow. drown because you can't <gasps> breathe. Yeah, you can't yeah. hold your breath. The water just goes down the trach tube. Yeah. Not even supposed to be around water. So I made it down there. And so I was like, hey, I can do anything I want to do. What should I do? And I was like, you know, when I went to film school, they had animators and animators. They can make a whole 35 millimeter movie by themselves. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to go out. So I went to Santa Monica Junior College to become an animator. Right. They had an animation class there. And they were like, well, you got to know how to draw. You have to take a drawing class. So I took a drawing class and then I took the painting class. And I was like, hey, I can do the same thing with a pencil that I want to do with a movie. I can do it with a painting that I want to do a movie. Yeah. 
So that got me into this whole art thing where I was just saying, well, hey, let me tell these stories differently. And painting was and really painting. your medium at that time. Painting became my thing. I really enjoyed painting and I can be meditative. I can do it all night and not even think about it. So, you know, think that I'm tired or anything about it. Just keep painting and, it's and seeing things, right? Yeah, I can understand the painting. How you could just go and go and go and go. Yeah. go, and go. So I wanted to be the painter. So I started mm-hmm. painting. At that same time, my father got cancer mm-hmm. and uh, I had to come back to Berkeley okay. to kind of take care of him. I came back to Berkeley and, and I would go to the hospital and I would paint every day, paint him in the hospital and stuff, right? And so I needed an outlet. So I started going, taking a couple classes at UC Berkeley. And they were like, well, if you want to go to grad school, it's free. Ah. So I was like, what? Grad free? school is free? <laughs> so my father passed away. My dog passed away. So oh. then I went, to, went back to grad school. And that's how I got into this whole thing, right? So the timeline there was how, about how long ago? That, that was only a Berkeley. few years ago. So I started, I think, in like 2018, 2019. I think okay. I started going to school there, right? Okay. Wow. And I know like you were going into Berkeley after that, didn't they start a program? You got your MFA from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then didn't they start a program? Maybe you can share a little bit about what they started. You were the first artist in residence. Talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah. They have a place called the platform and I was the first artist resident uh, that they had in this platform space, right? Uh-huh. It's a kind of social practice space that they have on campus. And Jill Miller runs that social practice space. Mm-hmm. And she was allowed me to be the first artist in resident. Now, we know what happened that time and, that, and then, right? Yeah. The fire, first the fires came. They closed the school down. The whole sky went black. Then COVID came. And they shut the school down, right? Yes. I was growing plants. I was growing my Art practice builds on materials, and I was growing these cotton plants. Mm-hmm. So I told the university, I can't let my plants go. You close me down. I can't. My, all my plants are dying. My research are be gone. Yes. So they allowed me to be in that space to grow plants. I was one of the rare people that were able to come to campus and continue my research. And I did a lot of my research in that platform space. So that happened. <laughs> I still get a little emotional even when I say these words, right? Even when I think about these times. They murdered George Floyd. Kept their knee on the man's neck. With him begging for his mother. That was the saddest thing. When you hear a grown man begging for his mother, it really got me to desperation. I got angry. And I said, what am I doing in this ivory tower making this work? What am I doing here at UC Berkeley in this institution? We know about the legacy of that institution. Yes. Of these educational institutions, predominantly white institutions that have barred access on native land. What am I doing there? Everything was closed. Art stores were closed, right? Yes. But auto parts store were closed. So I went and got me some, uh, I was in L.A. then, but I went and got me some spray paint. And I said, I'm going out to the streets. And I went out to the streets, and everybody was throwing up murals. 
We, you right were in LA at that time. I was in LA. Mm-hmm. And I went over to like Venice and Hollywood and all this place. The whole city, the artists had turned out. They were writing on the walls. They were throwing up mules everywhere. Yeah. National Guard was out, but they were throwing up, right? Yeah. And so I said, what am I, what am I going to do? And I started making these political posters and making altars. And I started making these altars. I came back to Berkeley. I was still making these altars. I, I was doing ceramics. So I would put these cups out along with my altars. And these are public altars on the street. It's on the street. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, I don't need to be in a gallery. The people I'm talking to, the people I'm trying to reach are on the streets. Exactly. Right? They're not trying to go to no museums right now. We were out there putting our lives on the line because COVID was out. We didn't care anymore. We still had to march. Yes. I don't care what the risk is. What, what good is it for us to be safe inside when they're murdering us in the street? The blood was running in the street. Yeah. Right? So I was out there and I put out, but then people would come and destroy. They would destroy my uh, altars. They would break the cups. Okay. They'd break the plates. And I was like, what am I going to do? I put another one out there breaking. They steal the signs, right? So I had to come up with a response for that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I can't wait to hear it because I know a little bit about <laughs> this. I'm a, I love it. And I was talking to my friend Aaron too. And he was like, well, they got these things called seed bombs. Earth dumplings. And so I started making seed bombs. You can break this ceramic ware, but then something grows out of it. I put seeds inside, huh? I put seeds inside of the clay. And then when you break them, they spread those seeds around. I love that. What was your original seed? Like, what was it sourced from inside of there? Well, we start putting seeds in. First of all, we wanted to bring the butterflies back, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the milkweed and stuff in, right? Exactly. I think there was a project we did that as well. (laughs) But also, I wanted to talk about these crops, that black people used to survive when they got here. So we started putting greens in there. Collard greens. Nice. And Paul Robinson tomatoes. And okra. Right? These things that kind of can grow wild. I'm just imagining like, all these people breaking all this stuff. And now you got like tomatoes that are growing in the streets now. <laughs> here we go. That's the plan. That is the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> So that's how I kind of got into the art and into materials and into clay. It was a call to arms. Yeah, I would like to like nice, pretty pictures in the, in the museum. I want to make pictures of flowers and stuff as well. But how can I do that? They murdered another brother down the street this other day. Terrell Nichols. Share your perspective on it because it just. And over and over. I can't breathe. 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 And they keep your neck. They keep their foot on your neck. 
So I, I don't mean to mess up your podcast. But no, 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 no. This is your story, story so. and you know I, Let me make I can't. I can't tell the story. Yeah, this is your story to tell. It's your time, man. Yeah, it's your time. So, so, I mean, I'm fascinated. Like, I yeah. had some questions for you, but you go because yeah. this is the story. I think I listened so to important. your Berkeley uh, podcast, and I know what we're gonna get into. It so it was. Yeah, I listened to you too. Yeah, yeah, it was so. good. It's too you brief, know, like though. I wanted you to got know an more. Obama shirt, and then I heard that you you saw him in the airport. Oh, I didn't see him in the airport. Oh, I saw Obama. Too. I saw Obama. I was at. Remember, I said I was at uh, yeah. Santa Monica, Santa Monica College, and they have the Santa Monica Airport. And during his last term there, I guess he was doing a fundraiser or something. I saw Air Force One flying into Santa Monica Airport. This really small airport, right? Ooh, wait. <laughs> you ever see Air Force One in there? No, I've only seen them distract, like in New York City, because I worked a block away from the UN, and Yasser Arafat was coming through there, but they take them down a different way. And so I'm starting a new job. There's snipers on the building. There's dogs and everything, but they don't really go down that street. They go down a different way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's not the same thing, but. So how do you feel when you saw the first president that was black? What was your emotion when, when that happened? My brother likes those cars, you know. You know those <laughs> cars with the big wheels, right? You, you yeah. know those cars, know. the dunks yeah. and the low riders. Mm-hmm. Air Force One is the baddest ride <laughs> in the world. I saw Obama in Air Force One. That was the baddest ride. I felt so proud. I was like, I don't care what y'all say about his politics. The brother is cool, okay? Right? Uh, I know. <laughs> he is smooth. <laughs> he had the escort. with the, uh, You know, they have like escort. They have a helicopter escort. Coming around. Yeah. Right. And then he's in Air Force One. And I thought about it. I thought about myself, and I was like, hey, if Obama can do that, I never thought a black man would be president in my lifetime. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I never, I never perceived that as a possibility. But if he can do that, I can do what I need to do. I can get up off the couch. I may be disabled and black and older, but I can go back to school. And I can fulfill whatever dream I want to fulfill. I at least ought to be trying. If he's out there trying to change the world, I should be trying to change my community as well. Well, you keep reinventing yourself. I mean, you, you have no fear, it seems like. Okay, reach an obstacle and you just turn on a dime. And that's what I admire most of your essence is like nothing stops you. you just keep on going. I, I'm lucky, though. I had a mother and father. A lot of brothers don't have fathers. Yes. But I had a supportive family, a mother and a father to give me guidance. And so that gave me a little freedom, a little freedom to be able to just be myself. And a lot of people don't have that. So when I teach, I'm trying to also give that to other students. Find your freedom. Mm -hmm. Sort of, yeah. It's okay to fail. You know, that's the way you learn is by failure. Super important do that as well teaching it's all right doesn't have to be perfect you're exploring that's the beauty of art and helping support that (laughs) just keep getting up yeah just don't keep making the same mistakes though don't make the same (laughs) mistakes learn Learn from your mistakes and 
Don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Seems like that might be easier on an individual basis than on a society basis for sure, because it just seems slow changes, a lot of repeats for sure. The problem is they don't think that they're problems. Right. It's all about capital. Ultimately, always. You know, it's always about the exploitation of the worker. How much money can we make? You know, they say, hey, if you have a good Christmas, because we had a lot of sales. Yeah. Not because we had a lot of love. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, we had a lot of sales. that's so true. I don't like Christmas, so. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's definitely the essence of a lot of. Just money. I don't know. Things are just ex- fast forward and it's really like very transparent. I mean, how fast can we go and how much can we <laughs> until you break? So, but it is important that you get up individually and face like, how can I be a part of this? How can I do it that I enjoy expressing? And what I'd love to know right now, you're coming up to Sonoma, what you continue to work on. You're still doing some of the plates and the seed bombs. I'm still doing those things, but I'm definitely trying to go somewhere else. We mm-hmm. talked about what has, my work has talked about what has been. Yeah. Okay. And what is happening. But, hey, you know, I went to the Black Joy Parade last week, right? That was uh-huh. in Oakland. And the mothership landed. George Clinton came in on the mothership. No way. <laughs> the rain let up. And we were out there, one nation under groove, getting down just for the funk of it. Oh, my God. I love it. And I looked up at the sky. Everybody was dancing and singing. And it was dust was falling. I looked up at the sky and I saw the moon. And they had a light show on the buildings around me. And it was very emotional. And I was like, this is it. We transcended these other spaces. And I started thinking about George Clinton, Octavia Butler. I started thinking about Sun Ra, but also Toni Morrison and Langston Hughes and James Baldwin. Yeah. And the power of art to transform us, to take us to a different spot. And so I want my work to be able to do that, to be able to talk about the past, but also to take us to a brighter future. So I say my work is kind of um, Afro-surrealism because it's almost a dream. Yeah. I won't say Afrofuturism because I don't want it to be in the future. I want it to be now. Yeah. Okay. I want to transform you, take you to a different space right now. And my work here in Sonoma is going to reflect that. I want it to be speculative, of course, right? Yes. But also I want everyone, black and white folks, right? To be able to dream, to close their eyes and dream of going to a better place. Hope. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Hope and faith. Yeah. I love that because we need that. And uh, I can't wait. Now I'm really excited for your gallery show in June. You're working a lot in ceramics. Are you still doing paintings as well? I still do the paintings, and the paintings and ceramics kind of go together. I'm using yeah. materials when I do paint. I kind of mix up my own paints by breaking up these rocks. I go to these sites of, I say, a resistance, and I collect materials for them, and I break them. I use those paints. I'm trying to do the same thing in ceramics. So you're basically making your own pigment? 
Make my sort? own payment. Okay. Right, make my own payment. And I'm trying to do the same thing with the ceramics as I go to these sites too and break up the rocks and put them in the clay and try to make some glazes out of them and really bring those spirit of those folks into the work. And hopefully I was talking to Meg Billiam, who is the ceramics person, and she said she knows where you can pan for gold. And we might go try to get some gold oh. <laughs> and some clay yeah, and put all that stuff. There's like bentonite clay around here. We were just talking about that. And this is a big rumor, but I'm not sure if it's true or not. But it's always been said a long time ago that there was amber up in the hills. And I'm not really sure about it, but I just heard that people had found amber up amber. in my Thomas. I don't know. Harada, what do you find when you're fishing besides uh, big fish? Insidia, that thing, that's what they call it. The rocks that they used to make arrows. Obsidian? Out of obsidian. Is it obsidian? With the native I, have, yeah. that's I, what I, I don't see a lot of it around A lot here, of that. That's what I used to see when I go fly fishing places. Nice. I know. Where you go, like Lake Berryessa? No. <laughs> right next to Lake Berryessa, Puda Creek. <laughs> what are the creeks? Uh, Yuba River, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I should be fly fishing actually today. <laughs> Supposed to be fly fishing yesterday and today up in um, Reno, Nevada. Oh, it's, it's not too cold. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the roads were closed, and I'm like, mm, do I want to sit there and froze like a popsicle? I don't think so. So I canceled my trip. My painting mentor, Greg Nagasawa, he's a fly fisher. Oh no way! Right? Yeah, yeah, he's a big fly fisher. Ties his own flies. That's, that's yeah, something yeah, else, yeah, tying yeah. your own flies. That's, that's really good. You know, the best feeling is for me as a fly fisherman, when I do a fly and then I go out there and I catch a fish, it's just the best feeling ever that I caught some, I caught a fish with my own fly that I made. It's really rewarding to be honest, because when you go, you go out there in the, in the, in the wild, those trouts, they're, they're wild. So they're really finicky when they're, when it comes to what they're eating. So you really need to present that fly to them. So you can just go out there and throw it. They will be like, what? No, no, you need to present that fly. So once you present it, they eat it and you're like, that's good. <laughs> Forget farm to table. That's like from your own hands into the river. It's, it's, I think it's the same thing with the old artists to cooks, anything, you know, you come up with the dish, you present it to somebody, they eat it. They say it's super delicious. That's the best thing. Same thing with uh, with your art. You're pretty sure when you make something and people say, this is awesome. It looks great. You know, you feel rewarding. With your art, you can make a change. It's better. I mean, what else? Well, hopefully we can have some sort of dinner here with my show. You talk to Gerardo over here. He's, yeah, yeah, you want he's some getting chili a beans? brunch club. Yeah, <laughs> some leftover chili. <laughs> no. Just joking, Fred. Anytime, Fred. Let me know. Yeah. We're here, man. What I was super curious about is I started digging into uh, when I was listening to the podcast you were on as well down in Berkeley, the seed bombs, the seed plates. And you talked a little bit about how that was used to honor people when they had passed. And then I, I went even deeper into like the Japanese practice of it. They would call it earth dumplings. Well, mine doesn't come from Japanese. Yeah, right, mine, right. Com mine comes from, well, earth dumplings may become, maybe it's a mixture. Mine comes yeah. from... In West Africa, they used to take these vessels, right, these ceramic vessels, and they would take the vessel and these pots and they would break them as moral vessels, right? Mm -hmm. And what they would say is it not only releases the spirit of the deceased person, but also from the loved ones on earth. 
Oh, wow. It lets Balaam go. When enslaved people came over to the U.S., right, over to these different countries, they start breaking plates to mark burial sites of Africans. So they would break the plate, and that would be a burial marker. That's right? really interesting. Yeah. So I'm borrowing upon all of that yeah. history when, I, when we break the plates and make those C-bombs, right, to bring it forward. That's really interesting. I grew up in That's the South beautiful. when I was young, and there was fields all around me. It was mostly soybean where I was in Spartanburg, but I love that. I think that's actually even a more sustainable way than making a plot and putting up a burial ground. But just having that memory and, and releasing the spirits, I love all of that. <laughs> you know, that's great. But mostly yeah, it comes sometimes yeah. to not everybody could afford to have. Well, nowadays it's expensive. Yeah, to exactly. Have so we might have to return this earth dumplings and seed bombs to... Just mark hey, the spot. Turn me into ashes, man. Throw me in the river. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Which river, Gerardo, if you were going to pick a place? Uh, if I were to pick a place, I'd probably pick, not a river, but I will pick the ocean where I'm from in Mazatlan mm-hmm. and just throw my ashes there. I want to come back to my country and my city where I was born. So definitely throw me there. I love it. Well, I mean, since we're on that subject, what would you do? Well, I'm going to take a step back. I wasn't going to get into this, but I guess I kind of need to. We're really going there. Yeah, I guess I kind of need to. I've been here for a couple of months, right? Yeah. And someone the other day, I was in a meeting. They were like, well, you know, the Chili Bowl, have the people park in the church parking lot. That would be the overflow lot. Yes. And I was like, church? Where is this church? <laughs> I thought that was a school over there. And I started thinking and looked, and that looked really familiar. And I took a walk over to the church, right? And there was my aunt. She has a burial plot over there in that church. Wow. I can't believe was it. Was 200 yards? Yeah, so right behind the community center is a church that also has a really interesting labyrinth over there, too. Some plots, right? That was my Aunt Kitty. If you guys know Aunt Kitty, right? Carolyn McKay is her name, but we call her Kitty. She's over there. Wow. Black woman in Sonoma. So she, they moved to Sonoma because they built, built a house in, in Camden, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's Camden. It's down by Hearst Castle. Okay. They had built this house. And the city officials allowed a Klan rally. They had a Klan rally and a parade in the city. And she went and complained and said, you can't let this happen in the city, right? And they told her to shut up that free speech, they can have this rally. This is right down. So her husband, you know, they were like, we can't be in this city. We had to move. So yeah. we had to build this dream house, you know, down there. And so they sold the house and they moved to Sonoma. I guess, you know, he was into wine, so they came to another wine country, right? But they say this building is, is haunted. That's, That's community that, center. That is the story. And let's hear your theory. Well, I'm like, you hey. think it's Aunt Kitty? And Kitty is protecting me. Nobody's going to get me up in here. <laughs> no. I was like, Aunt, T- Aunt Kitty, protect me, okay? Look after me. And my mom was kind of an activist, right? But I think my my aunt was braver. She was in, in an interracial relationship in the 60s. And to live through all that, that aggression, right? 
and racism from both sides. Yeah. And to survive and thrive in that is a very courageous move. So I'm carrying her spirit in this Sonoma spot, right? Yes. I don't see any black people walking down the street when I walk. I know. When I moved to Sonoma, just California in general, I was pretty shocked. (laughs) But I'm cool because I know my Aunt Kitty has paved the way for me. Yeah. It's okay for me to walk to Pete's Coffee and around the square. Uh, When did your uh, aunt die? Uh, let's see. Uh, she died maybe like 2018 or something like that. Was it the lady who used to sing? Was she a singer or a musician? I don't, no, I don't think she's no? uh, oh. She could have. I don't, know. I don't know, but if Aunt Kitty's over there, and I didn't even know there was actually room over there and that people could be buried <laughs> at that church. She's doing something right, yeah, okay? She's yeah. setting it up because I didn't even know that there was room or anyone was being yeah. buried in there. So she must've been mm. really involved in that church. So I must have mad respect Might have for been, her. Like, really involved in that community too. So now I kind of want to search her to see if uh, she was part of something around here. Yeah. If you guys know her out there, you know, come say Hey to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. Dedicate podcast and kitty. <laughs> I love it. Well, what else we got to share? I probably should have did this in the beginning. And I know that there was a tragedy. A young man got shot at Napa High School uh, a couple of days ago. Was it the one in Santa Rosa? It, it was it Santa Rosa? I think it was Santa Rosa. He got yeah. stabbed. Montgomery School, yeah. High School. Oh, High School. And so, yeah, I just want to pause and take a moment that this violence affects all communities. You know, it's not just in Oakland and Colorado. It's right here at home, too. And we as a people, as a country, have to find a way to talk about it and to come to some understanding that we don't need to solve our problems this way. And that now there's a whole bunch of black and brown boys getting killed all the time. And it's easy to overlook those folks, right? So have some empathy for them. when now you see how it feels in your community. Have some empathy for those other communities as well. Yeah. Right? So have empathy for Trayvon. A young man at this was hunted down. Somebody followed him, got into a fight with him, and shot him. And then said, oh, it was self-defense. Right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> it just hurts me when I hear that. When I hear about the young man in Santa Rosa, I feel the same pain. Like I said in the beginning, it's not just a black thing. No, it's a, a violence. It's a human it, thing. It seems like it's also like you were you were you were blessed by having your both of your parents too, and some of the kids don't have that, and some of the kids don't have that. What is it called? What would you say? Um, like the parents don't. They're not there for them. Also, we have to wake up like parents. You as a parent also, you have to be there for your child, man. You know, you have to care where your child goes to school, what he's doing. You need to be involved more. You can't just leave those kids out there in the wild. You need to be there for them too. So, you know, I always say that you need to start at home too. Education is always at home too with your parents. And you as a parent, you have a job to teach your kid to Send them to the right path, too. So not just let him run wild. I don't know. I just feel like, for me, I got three kids myself. I got a kid in high school. So I'm always there 
for them. Whatever he needs, I'm there. It doesn't matter if I need to leave work because he needs something, I'm there for him. Because I want to make sure that he knows that he can talk to me. He can come and say, we don't know what happened to that kid in the high school. I don't know if he was getting bullied. And the only alternative for him was to defend himself. But maybe he didn't have that family, that father that, you know, like, hey, I want to talk to you, dad. This is happening in my school. I need help. I always say that parents need to be more involved with their kids. And they need to give that feeling that the kid can trust you to say anything to you. So you can solve or try to solve his problems too. So I don't know. That's just me. But I always wanted to say that. (laughs) That's a good perspective, right? I love it. If there's not a parent that's around, having the support system of where they can go to yeah. get that yeah. support. Yeah. Just keep, I, I think it's huge too. I know like <laughs> definitely a different kid when I was a teenager than my daughter's pretty on the straight and narrow right now, but man, that was a rough time. So really just keeping, being able to listen to an ear and not be like. Yeah. I grew up with no father. I had my mom. My mom always worked, so she didn't have time for me. She had five other kids to feed. So I was there. I was in gangs, but I was a smart one though. I was always looking at my friends going, I don't want to do that. I'm just here for the girls, to be honest. I was just there for the girls. <laughs> I'm like, parties, girls, I'm there. It's like, yeah, a couple of times I had to throw down, you know, fight. I had to show them that I was with my buddies. I mean, I couldn't just sit back. But at the end, I said, I don't want to go to jail. What am I going to do in jail? No, my freedom is gone. So all my buddies going to jail, I'm like, he was just dumb. I'm like, no, not for me. I like my freedom. I like to go around. <laughs> so, But like I said, my mom wasn't there either, but I had a choice too. You just have to make the right choices too when you're out there. Something to be said. I mean, you think about it if you're young. I don't think you really grasp the whole idea of freedom. It's actually, it's a precious yeah. thing and it can be pulled out from you in a minute. Sometimes you get caught up with your peers and how important it is to be in the, Fred, in the environment you want to be That in. was just said for the high school thing, for the yeah. kids, not for breathing on my neck and stuff. You know, that was a whole different no, thing no, because I mean, that's, that's police brutality right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's talk best. about that criminal justice system. That's what we talk about. Those brains are still not formed. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And yet they will take a child and say, let's charge him as an adult. That's just, I mean, come on. You you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And no, the kids are not rational. They haven't worked it all out yet. They're impulsive. Yep. Right? Absolutely. They do stupid stuff. But we have to have a way as a society to be able to embrace them, help them solve those problems. And not just punish them for it. Yeah. I think what it is, it's all money, though. It's all about the money. It's, it's a business, to be honest. To go to jail is a business for whoever owns jails and stuff. So Industrial complex. Mm-hmm. That's right? sad. That's, I mean, there is one hope in this that I like. And we do do it here with, like, Queer Art Club. But yes. creating spaces, spaces for kids. where kids and teenagers can come and express himself and work through it that way. So be it queer art club, be it teaching kids, culinary, Hannah, dancing, whatever, finding your voice and seeing people like you, Fred, seeing you, Gerardo, myself, whatever that have come through and they're doing it. Like they say, Oh, they're running a podcast. I can do a podcast. Yeah. Oh, 
he does his art and expresses who he is through that. Like that needs to continue because really kids are impressionable and they might not express it to you and tell you directly nor how to, but it does settle in in the future because all my mentors that I might not have told them were my mentors are who makes us who we are today. And that's a, not a burden. That's a gift to get older and to be able to share that. Yeah. That's why when I go out there and look for scholarships for kids, you know, yeah. so they can take a teen wheel class, which I love the way the kids come in and they, maybe we're opening another way for them in the future. I don't know. They'll remember, oh, I used to do uh, ceramic when I was young. Maybe I want to do that. I don't know. That'll be good. So <laughs> same thing when I go cooking, you know, I make sure they don't cut their fingers, you know, I'm like, <laughs> It's a basic. Yeah. So I make sure they can skip down the hall. I always tell them when I go in, I'm I'm here to teach you so you guys don't end up like a Yakuza member missing fingers (laughs) and stuff when you're cooking. So they like that. They like the pizza too, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, they the pizza. Yes. Freddie, you had pizza? I had that pizza. It was my first time making dough, to be honest. It was good. It was good. All right. All right. Not going to lie, I snuck into the fridge yesterday. It was still there. And I had it a couple more. more pieces because I was just sitting there. I didn't want it to go to waste. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a nice day with the kids. Teach them how to do pizza and uh, Caesar salad. It was good. It was a good day overall. On the shoulders of giants. If I can do it, you can do it too. There you go. Exactly. I think you just summed up the shell. Fred, um, thank you. I'm so happy you you came on. It's just an inspiration. I can't wait to see your artist talk coming up on, well, it will probably be done by the time they listen to it, which is on March 7th. But more importantly, you're here. Your show will be up in June. And I invite everybody to come up and hopefully visit you because you are up in 209. I'm I'm here. Say hey. In the open studio. Hey, Fred, what's your favorite lunch or favorite meal? Oh, my favorite meal. I don't know that one. Oh, come on. What's your favorite food? A shrimp poor boy sandwich. Mm. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. See, we always go down the taco alley with him, but that sounds delicious. Where can you get one of those? Because you can't get one of those. Uh, Not here. It must be a Bay Area thing, huh? Bay Area, I I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Creole thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Southern Louisiana. Southern, huh? Mm-hmm. Nice. You can get those here anywhere in the Bay Area? You can, right? There's yeah, places. Some, some places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Fred, for being here. We appreciate it. Yes, come to my show. And Artist Talk is, this won't be up by the Artist Talk, but mm-hmm. you see me in town, say what's happening. Exactly. You know? And come see your work because it's pretty intriguing. I love it. It speaks for itself. You really see what you do because it's visual perspective so if you're listening to this podcast please where can they find you where they can kind of besides coming to some community center and seeing you in person but say you're out there in the world you're on instagram i'm on instagram and uh, i need to post more but i'm on instagram and then also at freddywitt.com i went there too beautiful freddywitt.com awesome well thank you fred thank you all thank Thank you you, gerardo thank you you, you, molly all right Thank you very much. As always. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll take care. We'll see you, huh? Okay. See you. Peace. Bye -bye. Bye.